You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 67th program of Think Again and our 25th remote program in the time of the coronavirus. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that's been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jennifer Burrell. My usual co-host Jacques Boulay isn't with us today, but I'm joined by Pauline Galvin, who's standing at the Community Independent in Moreland Council's elections in October. I met Pauline as a fellow community member trying to save old native trees in Gandolfo Gardens. People might recall we talked about this with James Conlon in January in a program called Upfield Corridor Coalition. Unfortunately, the trees in Gandolfo Gardens have since been mostly erased to make way for a raised train line. This happened despite expert advice that it could have been done differently and the trees could have been preserved for people and animals and wildlife, even with the overhead train lines. But as is usually the case with activism, the fight goes on because it must go on. So welcome to the program, Pauline Galvin. Thank you very much, Jen. It's Mm. um, great to have an opportunity to speak to you. Mm. It's a pleasure to have you with us too, Pauline. So firstly, Pauline, can you tell us a little bit about your background particularly in community activism and your attempts to create social and environmental change? Yeah, I've got a background in um, public health and putting in uh, issues with the hospital's accreditation processes. Um, And one thing I've really learnt is that we really need to have systems in place to address and to check back with what our... um, the impacts of what we are doing. I've been involved with community activism for a few mm-hmm. years. I um, have had a long interest in transport issues around the city of Melbourne, and I got involved with the East West Link. I had a very when they wanted to put a tunnel portal in the middle of Royal Park. I had a very strong mm-hmm. not on my watch uh, reaction. So mm-hmm. I got involved with people. I got involved with the campaign of new people that were involved so I joined with them and one thing led to another and just got involved with more and more community campaigns with a fantastic group of really interesting people. Mm, That's great to hear Pauline and I suppose following all that what's motivated you to stand for council? Uh, Some of the amazing people that I have met 
in when I'm getting involved, I've been really inspired by the councillor Sue Bolton, um, the current councillor on the in Mormon mm. Council, and the work that she has done supporting community groups who are, you know, they're doing, they're reacting and responding to local issues, and Sue has just been invaluable in helping people and getting involved herself. Uh, she's been really inspiring. Um, mm. I haven't good for council before and I am just really having a if not now then when, if not us then who response. There's so many issues in our city and in our world that we really need to address uh, really systemic change and now is the time. We need to seize that moment. Mm. Thank you, Pauline. And I'm real, I noticed that you've got a background in public health research too. So can you explain a bit about what you mean by public health and what would you bring from your public health background to your role as a counsellor? So I kind of touched a bit on that. The Really, the public health gets you to have a much wider view of what is going on. It really asks people to take a uh, looking at the circumstances, what they refer to as the social determinants of health. It's people mm. are never just a person in isolated. They're always within a system. They've got community support or they don't. They've got um, options or they don't. They've got they're always in relationship with other people and if you don't look at the circumstances that they find themselves in, you are really not in the best place to uh, assist those people to actually address the root cause. Otherwise, you'll always mm -hmm. be putting out spot fires. You'll be mopping up at the bottom of those, having the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff mm -hmm. rather than looking at what's happening at the top of the cliff so that you can mm -hmm. stop people falling off in the first place. The other thing about working in a health system is that they do have these systems of checking and of quality assurance. Are, is what you are doing giving you the results that you actually want to have? If not, mm. what else could we do differently? These constants, And how can you demonstrate that to people? So you've got these systems of checking in, asking questions, seeing what the answers are, and that system of governance, governance is often seen as an issue of um, probity or corruption. And, you know, don't get me wrong, that's really important that we definitely look, you know, keep a strong spotlight on on probity and corruption. Issues mm. of planning and councils have had such problems in other councils. Um, so it's really important that we keep a spotlight on those. But we also need to have a similar spotlight on environmental governance. Are we looking after mm. our environment? And particularly in urban environments, it's so important. Things like tree cover, urban forests are critical for health, mm -hmm. in mental health, physical health. If you don't have a nice, shady, pleasant place to walk, you are much less likely to go for walks. Less physical activity has impacts on your health and blah, blah, blah. So it's really important that we look at uh, having those systems of governance in place, environmental or social governance, are we looking after the people's really going to the triple bottom line? Mm. 
issues. Mm. Business is important, yeah. sure, but the environment is also really important and the society, the community is also really important. Those three things need to be addressed and balanced and having that awareness, having experience with those systems of it's not a matter of like, oh, you're a bad person, you've done that. It's like, oh, this happened. How can we help that not to happen again? Um, yeah. I think that is really key in what we are, what we need from our councils going into the future. Yeah, I'm really interested in that holistic view of health, which is, of course, my, my view as well. But it's moving away from being just a biological issue that you have, for example, COVID or you don't have it. It's really putting health in as a part of a whole system. And exactly. um, the environment being important, I guess, not even just for people, but for itself, I suppose that's a little bit more radical. Um, and and uh, I think it's really interesting um, you bringing up systems for addressing this holistically too, because, of course, within governments, we have departments where things are siloed. You have an environment department, you have a planning department, you have community development here, and they're all siloed. So I guess that's a big challenge to get that all working in a coherent way. Yeah, and, and often those silos will have their own systems within them, but the impact that they have on other departments aren't necessarily looked at. So we really need a oh, system for the whole organisation, for sure. Mm. Well, that's a bit of food for thought before we go to a music break. We'll, have, we'll now have Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell, followed by a promo, and then we'll come back for our chat with Pauline Galvin. a parking lot With a pink hotel A boutique And a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got Till it's gone They pay paradise Put up a parking lot They took all the trees Put them in a tree museum Charge the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. 
kinnat. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital, and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we have Pauline Galvin on our program. Pauline is standing as an independent candidate in the forthcoming Moreland Council election. She's She's now sharing some of her insights with us from public health and community and her community and environmental activism. So obviously climate change and environmental sustainability are issues close to your heart, Pauline. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how you have faith and hope that you can help make the changes we need to make in your role as a councillor if you're elected? So I think the council has a real role in making sustainable opportunities available to people. It's really about helping people make the changes that we need everybody to make. We really we need to start living as if we have only got one earth because we actually yeah. do. We can't us average Australians um, have resources such that it they've got three earths and we really can't afford to keep doing that business as usual we really can't afford to do get continue in those habits that we've built up and it's not about uh, everybody just suddenly changing we need to transition we really need to make it easy to transition um, and it, the options we really need options Things like um, sustainable transport, if we need the council to be offering, making those options more feel safer, feel more obvious, things like a bike lane. It's not about mm. making um, everybody has to ride a bike if there's a bike lane. It's about providing an option so that if people feel like that they, oh, actually, maybe I could ride my bike down to the local shops. Maybe I could, you know, just get on and go and ride to work today, see how that goes. Then you are more likely to um, make that choice and then you get um, the whole system benefits when people can easily make those choices. And so we we transition uh, to more sustainable uh, life options systems and we really the council is really well positioned to make those opportunities available to people and it, it's really it's critical we we need people to make choices that support what they need to be able to do but not in ways that cost the earth mm. yeah I, I like that idea of giving people more opportunities because there are a lot of people who would really care about the climate and the environment, 
but they find it really hard to do the right thing ethically. Just there, a lot of people are struggling just to survive. Either they're unemployed, or if they're employed, they're paying their mortgage and getting their children to school in their car. And uh, I think yeah. if the opportunities were there, I'd agree. A lot of people would do the right thing if they felt they had an opportunity, but the restrictions and in the current system seem to work against it. Yeah, and people want to do the right thing, but they're not sure how or they think that it's too hard. So the council is just beautifully positioned to make things easy for people to make those choices, and that's really what we we need. Mm. Yeah, so just to um, give an update, I suppose, for the listeners, uh, I just to recap, Pauline and I met through the campaign to save over 100 old native trees in Gandolfo Gardens, which is about 7K north of Melbourne CBD. And this was part of a bigger campaign by community members who wanted to have a real say in what would happen underneath the newly raised train line, like gardens, bike paths, community art and the preservation of heritage buildings and old native trees. Even while we recognise that raising the train lines would prevent a lot of the traffic build-up at local rail crossings. So it was to do with sympathetic development. Excuse me, that was my phone. So Pauline, I know we were both really interested that so many thoughtful and skilled people were committed, really committed to helping shape the local area, but unfortunately were mostly treated like an inconvenience by the state government overseeing the works. So I'm wondering how would you do things differently? How would you ensure that community members have a real say and real power, not tokenistic, in decisions affecting them and the local area. How would you do that as a local councillor? So I think there's a number of things that one could do on the local council. Moreland has got starting to get some really good work around community consultation, but it's really... it's a down to talking to the community, making sure that they are informed so that they, the community knows about things that are on the cards, about mm-hmm. projects or developments or strategies or policies. What is the vision for the council? The work, you know, council has done work along this and, you know, you put these things out to community consultation. But mm. you can't just have... Community consultation is something that you do at the beginning. Tick, let's move on. Mm, The people who are in the communities are experts on what happens in the community and what's important to the the community members. One of the things that you learn from public health is that you you might think that there's a problem, you might think that you've got this technically excellent solution, but if the people who you think need this solution don't think it's a problem, they are never going to take it up. If they think that it's a problem, but that's not really their solution, that wouldn't work for reasons A, B, C and D, they're, still, they're not going to take up your, what on paper looks like a fantastic option. You need to involve mm. people in the whole process, not just when you're working it out, but you also need to involve them in the rollout of any internet, of any process or policy or program, and you also need to ask them at the end, how did that go for you? Did that actually answer mm. your your needs? The whole way along, people are experts in 
in their community. People are experts in what they need. And, you know, you can look at, they'll be able to go, oh, that's a good idea, but it won't work because of this, that and the other. And then you will be in a position to address those issues. It's so important to have those conversations. It needs to be built in to any project that you're doing in any kind of community uh, issue. It really is so important that that community consultation is the bedrock of everything that we do and that would be something that will be an approach and a strategy that I will be taking to council most mm-hmm. definitely. Well, that certainly sounds ideal. It, it sounds more than consultation. It sounds really like community involvement in local decision-making. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it really needs that conversation to be happening um, because otherwise it's a top-down approach and top-down mm-hmm. approaches will never be as effective as a community-led, community-involved response. It will always work better if you talk to people, even if it's only because they can point out really for them obvious problems with what you're proposing mm. that are usually often easily fixed, often easily mm. fixed. Mm. Well, thank you, Pauline. On that note, we'll go to a promo before continuing this discussion. If you're wrestling with feelings of anxiety, worry and depression or finding the current social isolation measures hard to deal with, we would like to encourage you to call Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are seeking information about mental health or mental health services or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. If you feel it would be helpful to talk to someone about these issues during this difficult period, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111500. That's 1300 111500. Wellways supports 3CR. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jennifer Burrell and today I'm speaking with Pauline Galvin, who's running as an independent in the Moreland Council election in October. Pauline's telling us a bit about what she would bring from her public health background and her community and environmental activism and commitment. Pauline, I'm interested in your thoughts on our response to the COVID pandemic. So I guess briefly, what's your assessment of the Victorian strategies regarding COVID and how local councils have consulted people and responded? So uh, I think they're, they're getting their bit more organised now. It's six months, but, you know, better late than never. There's been a really very interesting dichotomy. Some of the things that the state government did early on has been very authoritarian, heavy-handed, top-down mm. kind of approach. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly, I'm thinking the lockdown in the towers around... They're not in Moreland, but just over... Um, in mm, Flemington, Flemington, North Melbourne. Mm. Um, you know, they're 
brought in the police at the get-go rather than reaching out to community members and saying, this is what's going to happen. We need to, you know, what can we do to make help people uh, be safe and stay safe? Uh, So I notice that one of the things that is happening out in the the western kind of suburbs, they've got uh, a group called CoHealth who are bringing in the, you know, on one hand, quite obvious strategy of contacting people who have been given a positive, have come up with a positive Mm. COVID response and asking them what they need, do they have what they need to be safely quarantined for the period and they've been able to then put people in touch with a whole lot of support, then that that, uh, program has been credited with saving lives because they're um, people Mm. who would otherwise have got really... There was something in the paper yesterday, someone who was really sick, really isolated, and when the co-health people contacted them, they actually got them into hospital and that person Mm. ended up in ICU. They probably would have died except for someone ringing them up and saying, are you all right? Mm. Is there anything we yeah. can do? That is the sort of thing that we need to happen rather than sending in the police to make sure that you're yeah. doing the right thing. It's a real, very clear contrast of um, things that work and things that, you know, if you send in the police, they're a hammer, everything will look like a nail. Um, yeah, so it's a really localised relational approach. And just really briefly, because we're coming to the end of the program, um, do you have any views about localised community health centres and how they could help more with the pandemic or how they could have helped more? Yeah, I think having um, a welfare checklist uh, of people who are vulnerable in the community is just going to be so important, not just for COVID and pandemics, but for things like um, heat, heat, uh, the heat uh, heat wave <laughs> sorry blank mm. yes heat waves That's right. uh, the you know the heat kills more people died in the Black Saturday bushfires over from heat than they did from the fires mm. so yeah. local community people who know who are vulnerable in the community and are able to check in with people is just so critical that will be coming increasingly necessary for most of the, for anything that we are doing really. That is really a role for local community health services. Thank you, Pauline. And I suppose that I should mention um, in relation to local government, on Think Again, we did have a previous program why local governments answer to their masters and not us, which seems to contradict this program. But despite this title, we did say that some councillors can find wriggle room for change. So despite the deck being really set to preserve the status quo, which I think is always the frustration of activists anyway. So all strength to you, Pauline Galvin, and thanks for joining us today and sharing your insights and your passion and commitment for creating change for a better and sustainable world. Uh, Thank you very much, Jen. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to the community, residents of the South Ward. Hi there. Mm. Please vote for me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been a real pleasure. Thank you again, Pauline. So on to our community service announcements. 
The good news is that the number of new cases of COVID in Victoria is going down with 28 new cases yesterday, even while we acknowledge, sadly, there were eight deaths. And as a reminder of easing of stage four restrictions in metropolitan Melbourne, two people or a household can now meet outdoors for up to two hours for socialising and exercising and people living alone or single parents can nominate a person who they can meet in their own house or the other person's house. From the 28th of September, there will be more easing of restrictions if the 14-day average for metropolitan is under 50. So we're, we're travelling pretty well at the moment. Currently, we're on track with a daily average of about 44. So for everyone suffering, really suffering, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that's thanks to all our efforts. And I think we should all give ourselves a, a collective pat on the back for that. For more information, you can go to www.bic.gov.au. And that's all for our program today. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Jennifer Burrell, and guest, Pauline Galvin. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands. That's borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We really like to thank Michaela today for pulling this program together from the 3CR studio while Pauline and I connected remotely. So a big thanks to Michaela. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by... Yoku Yindi. I've been looking for 